Well, welcome to Thrive Church. We are so glad to have you here with us uh, today. My name is Judah, and I'm the lead pastor here, and we are just so happy that you are here. And I want to let you know something that's coming up very soon. Uh, my wife and I are going to be uh, at uh, Hillside Community Church on uh, June 10th. Uh, we're going to be doing uh, a uh, a talk and a, a question and answer time about mental health in the church. So if this is something that maybe interests you or a loved one, we would like to invite you to come out to that. It's just going to be a time where we're kind of exploring the topic a little bit. And honestly, it's something that, that we probably don't talk about enough. And, and this is just going to be a, a great opportunity. Again, it's at Hillside Community Church in Bristol, and that'll be at 6 p.m. on June 10th. Um, we are in a series right now called Tomorrow, tomorrow, the sun's going to come out, tomorrow, tomorrow, right? So uh, there's all these songs about tomorrow, and, and tomorrow is, uh, is something that, that ironically just never gets here, right? It, it's always, it's the thing, it's always kind of out of grasp. As soon as the day turns over, we've already, always got another tomorrow. But it, for us who are following Christ, tomorrow we think of maybe the second coming of Christ. We think of, of the end times. We think of what is going to happen in the future, so throughout this series, we're going to be studying First and Second Thessalonians, and, and these are letters that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica. Now, if you were here last week, you may remember that Paul, on his second missionary journey, went to Thessalonica and began to preach the gospel, and people were converted. Now, he was only there for three weeks before having to get evacuated to spare his life. And so there was a church that was formed. It was three weeks old. The oldest convert was only, had only been following Christ for three weeks, and here the church is left potentially to flounder and fail, but it did not flounder and fail. In spite of intense persecutions, probably uh, getting arrested, people getting beaten, possibly people even losing their life for the sake of Christ, the church began to expand, and they gained a reputation throughout the region for people who loved God and loved other people. So they grew in spite of this attack and this tormenting. They're here in the middle of the persecution and standing strong. Do we stand strong in the middle of the persecutions, the troubles, the difficulties that come our way? For some of us, we do. And for other of us, maybe we have a difficulty standing strong. Well, this church was standing strong. And they're looking forward to tomorrow. They're looking forward to the return of Jesus Christ. Jesus said that he would come back. And so they're looking with, with, with hope. They're looking with faith that he would come back and be reunited with them. It says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 14, Paul again is writing to them. and says, And then, dear brothers and sisters, you suffered persecution from your own countrymen. In this way you imitated the believers in God's churches in Judea who because of their belief in Christ Jesus suffered from their own people, the Jews. They're suffering, suffering from their own people. Parents turning against kids, kids turning against parents, brothers against brothers, sisters against sisters. The, the whole uh, area was turning upside down and the Christians were experiencing great persecution unlike anything that most of us have ever experienced. And so these letters that Paul wrote was sent to this community of believers to help them to anticipate the return of Jesus and to encourage them and their faith. They were living in a time of uncertainty, much like we live in now. 
We live in a time where it seems like evil is only getting worse. It seems like the darkness is closing in on us. We live in an uncertain time, and these words, I believe, still speak to us now. Now, it's easy for us to say, well, Jesus hasn't returned yet. I don't know what the future holds. So we begin to grow complacent, growing complacent while we wait. In your notes, if you're taking them, when we become complacent, we stop becoming more like Jesus. What does it mean to be complacent? It means that we're, we're just taking it easy. We've stopped moving forward. We're no longer advancing. Our, our muscles, our spiritual muscles begin to atrophy and, and begin to get smaller. Because we're like, well, I'm just going to sit here and wait. Did you know that, that the Christian journey does not have a finish line? See, see, sometimes we're, we're running, saying, where's the finish line? When can I stop moving forward? No, we have to keep moving forward. There is no finish line until we are face-to-face with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We need to keep moving forward as these people in Thessalonica most certainly were. It says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, verse 12, we're actually backing up a couple verses here. Uh, Paul says, we pleaded with you, encouraged you, and urged you To do what? To live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy. Underline that section there. To live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy. For he called you to share in his kingdom and glory. Question that I think that we should be pondering today is this. Are you living your life in a way that pleases God? Does your life please God? Do your attitudes and behaviors, do they please God? Are we making a difference in this world? Are we advancing God's kingdom in this world, or are we simply trying to advance our own kingdom? So, you know, I believe that God has equipped you, he's gifted you, he's anointed you, and he's called you. It doesn't matter what your past is, it doesn't matter what your history is, it doesn't matter how you were brought up. I believe that God has given you gifts and abilities and wants to use you. In your notes, you can make a difference in this world. Did you know that? That you can, that I can, that we can make a difference in this world. That is why God has placed us on earth is to make a difference for him and his kingdom. Now, if I personally start thinking about Jesus' return, if we start thinking about about heaven, living in in heaven, I believe that heaven is gonna be a beautiful and amazing place. Man, it just makes me start saying, I I want it to come soon. I I wanna be face to face with him. I would love to see an end to all sickness. I would love to see death be no more. I would love to see evil finally defeated. I would love to see the end of taxes, right? Yeah, yeah that got a reaction at least. Okay, thank you, Jesus. Um, <laughs> like, come, Lord Jesus. Man, I don't want to pay taxes again. Bail me out, bail me out. You know, we, we want to see, see Jesus face to face. But, but have you ever wondered, maybe, maybe you're new to the faith and this hasn't crossed your mind, but if you've been serving God for a while, this thought inevitably has probably crossed your mind and we start to wonder, why is it taking so long? Why is it taking so long? You know, I mean, this church here, 2,000 years ago, they're looking forward to the second coming of Jesus, and they're like, maybe it'll be tomorrow, maybe it'll be next week, but probably at least by next month. And here we are, thousands of years later, we're like, when, when, is, is he ever going to come? Is he ever going to come? 
Well, the first thing for us to realize is this. Time is different for God. Did you know that? Time is different for God. Like, like, like t- God is not constrained by the same time that we are. We are trapped in a linear timeline. We, we are trapped in this timeline. We, we can't get out of it. We're in this timeline. We are aging. Oh, man, and, and that, that's not fun. But you know what? Guess what? Some of you are younger say, oh, I'm never going to age. You're aging right now. This very second you're getting older, okay? We, we're all aging We're on this timeline, we're trapped in it, but God is not trapped in the same timeline that we are. And and it may seem to you like he is delaying on something, but he really isn't, because he's not in our same timeline. It says here in 2 Peter 3, verse 8, it says, but you must not forget this one thing, dear friends, a day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. In other words, he's got a, a different way of looking at time. I heard a story of a man, and he was praying, and he was just, I just really wanted to, to, to experience the presence of Jesus, and he's praying, God, I, I wanna see Jesus, and poof, just like that, Jesus appeared in front of him. And he's like, oh, wow, Jesus, you're here. And, and Jesus says, well, yeah, I'm here. Anything you wanna ask me? And the guy just couldn't really think, I know. Tell me about time. What is time like for you? And Jesus just quoted this verse here. He said, well, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. And the guy's like, wow, that's amazing. And then, then the idea popped in his mind. He says, Jesus, I have a request for you. I know that you own everything, that, that, that things that, that seem like there are a lot to us are little to you. You own everything, and I would just love it if you would give me a million dollars. I will do so many good things if you give me a million dollars. It'll help my family, and it will advance your kingdom. And, and I just, will you please, I know it's nothing for you. Will you give me a million dollars? And Jesus looked at him and says, yes, I will. Can you just wait till tomorrow, and I'll drop it off at your door? Some of you, it's going to take a while to get that. Because a day is just a thousand years, and a thousand years is just a day. You know, here's the thing. God's timeline is totally different than ours, though. Totally different. And, and, and we think that God is delaying, and maybe he's not delaying. Or maybe, maybe, just maybe he's delaying for a good reason. Continuing on here, verse 9. says, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. Sometimes we think, oh, God's just being slow about a promise. You know, He said he's coming back. He said he's coming back. Why is it taking him so long? Maybe there's another promise that you feel like God has given you in your life. Maybe you feel like God has promised you some things in your life, and you're hoping and you're expecting for these things, and then you start wondering, why is it taking so long? God, I felt like like you inspired me to do this. I thought that you called me to accomplish this. I thought you, you were leading me in this direction. Why is it taking so long? He says, No, the Lord isn't being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. Look at this next line. He does not want anyone to be destroyed but wants everyone to repent. So, so what's he waiting for? What, why is it taking him so long to come back? You know, I've talked to, with friends before, and they're like, I just can't wait for Jesus to come back. I just can't wait for, for us all to be face-to-face with God. I said, you know what? Yeah, I see your point, but I can wait. I can wait. You know why? Because of this verse here. He says he doesn't want anyone to be destroyed. See, what's he waiting for? What's taking so long is he's waiting for us. He's waiting for you and me. Have you ever had to wait long for something before? Like, we don't like to wait. I went out to eat the other night, and uh, 
my wife and I, we, we ordered some, some French onion soup, right? And, and then it's like, it take, took forever for them to bring it out. I'm thinking like, French onion soup is the kind of thing that you don't really make it on demand. Like, it's already there. It's already made in the kitchen, right? All you do is you scoop it in the thing, you put a little bit of crusty bread, put some cheese on top, throw it in the oven for a couple minutes, and bring it out to the table. And we're here, we're like 30 minutes later, like, where is our soup? Why is this taking so long? Here's the thing. When it comes to waiting for things, sometimes we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And sometimes you're waiting for something. We're waiting. We're waiting for God to send Jesus back. We don't know the whole story here. We don't know. We don't realize that he's waiting for you. He's waiting for me. He's waiting for those who are far from him. See, in your notes, God is never in a hurry. And that kind of bothers us a little bit because we're in hurries all the time, right? I mean, that light turns green and I'm in a hurry. It's like, come on. You got three seconds to put your foot on the gas, otherwise I'm beeping at you, you know? See, see, we're in a hurry, but God is never in a hurry. See, God's desire is for more people to turn to him. See, God's desire is for people like you and me and for your friends and your family and your loved ones to hear the gospel, to hear the message, and have an opportunity to receive him and their life as well. See, God's delay in sending Jesus is actually an act of his mercy. See, his desire is for us all to have an opportunity to turn to him, all of us to have the opportunity to experience salvation. But this this delay does not give us the license, the opportunity to become complacent and idle. We say, well, you know, I'm just going to sit back then. I'm just going to I'm just going to sit back. In fact, I had a friend of mine that literally told me this. He's like, "You know what? I just decided I'm going to live my life however I want. I'm going to do all the horrible things that cross my mind. And at the end of my life, when I'm on my deathbed, I'm going to repent and I'm going to turn my life over to Jesus. I'm like, I don't know that it works that way. I don't know that you can plan it so nicely because we don't know what tomorrow holds for us. See, this should not give us license to be complacent, but what this should do is ignite a fire within us, saying, hey, I don't know when Jesus is coming back. Maybe it's next week, maybe it's next month, maybe it's 100 years from now, but I better get to work doing his work here on this earth, telling people, sharing with people, doing good deeds so that people can can turn and grow closer to God. See, this passion should, should fill our lives as a believer in Jesus Christ. So what do we do? In the meantime, what do we do while we're waiting to meet Jesus? Some people think, oh, it doesn't matter what I do. I'm just going to build a bunker. I'm just going to hide out. I'm just going to raise hell. I'm going to do anything I want to do. Or do we realize that we have a role to play in this world? We have a role to play. Back to 2 Thessalonians. We're, we're going to jump actually into 2 Thessalonians right now. It says, as for the rest of you, dear brothers and sisters, underline this, never get tired of doing good. You ever get tired of doing good? Man, if you're a parent, you probably do sometimes, right? It's like you're doing good, but I get tired of it. If you're an employee, if you go to school, you, you probably get tired of doing good sometimes. Like, you know what? Sometimes I just don't want to do good anymore. He says here, never get tired of doing good. See, we are called to be active. We are called to be diligent. We're fa- we need to be faithful to do and accomplish the tasks that God has given us. So you know what God wants from us? In your notes, God wants us to be busy making a difference for him. He wants us to make a you know, he is he wants you to make a difference in your neighborhood. 
He wants you to make a difference in your family, in your friend group, at your work, at your school. God wants you to make a difference. Now, this doesn't have to be some big, fancy thing where you get up and start preaching to everybody. But no, he wants you to make a difference, maybe by showing love, showing compassion, being there to lend a hand when nobody else will. Now, see, Jesus, he was often telling stories about what the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven would look like. And here's one such story. And it's in Luke chapter 19, verse 11. It says this. The crowd was listening to everything Jesus said. And because he was nearing Jerusalem, he told them a story to correct the impression that the kingdom of God would begin right away. See, people were expecting everything to happen now. People were expecting Jesus to overthrow the Roman government. And Jesus wanted them to understand that he was going to go away before he returned. And this story explains what he wanted them to do while they waited for his return. Look, at, uh, continuing in verse 12. He says, a nobleman was called away to a distant empire to be crowned king and then to return. And before he left, he called together 10 of his servants and divided among them 10 pounds of silver, saying, invest this for me while I am gone. But his people hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we do not want him to be our king. Kind of sounds like the world we live in now. A world that is rejecting Jesus as king. A world that is rejecting the idea of right and wrong. People hate the idea of God. They don't want Jesus to be their king. But here's the thing. Their desire does not change reality. See, Jesus is king whether you want him to be king or not. See, see, that's the thing. Jesus is king and is on the throne, and, and, and he doesn't need your permission to be there. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Uh, if you look at this verse in the King James Version, verse 13, uh, we just read it. It says, invest this for me while I'm gone. I'm going to read it out of the King James. It says, and he called the ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, occupy until I come. Occupy until I come. What does it mean to occupy? To, if you are occupied, that means that you are staying busy, right? If I'm occupied, I'm staying busy with something. And it's important for us to remember who we work for. Are we staying busy for the one who we work for? Are we investing? Are we cultivating? Are we being good stewards of what God has given us and entrusted us with? See, God has put us here on this earth to be an ambassador, to be an ambassador, to, to be occupied. There's other definitions for this word occupy, though, right? To occupy something means that there's someone there, right? Anybody ever used a porta potty before? Some of you, okay. It's not the highlight of your life, is it, you know? Some of them have a little thing. You go inside and you, and you turn the little thing on the outside. It says, occupied, right? That means somebody is in here right now. You cannot come in because someone else is there. And we are occupying this land. God has put us here for a specific reason. Another way that we can look at occupy is when a foreign country takes over another country. It's called an occupation, they're occupying the land. They're moving in. They're under a different rule and a different reign from the current uh, rule and political structure of that land. It's an occupation. And in your notes, we are to occupy the land that God has put us in. See, we are the occupation. We are put here 
to occupy, to be occupied, to be a presence here on this earth. And we are representatives of a different kingdom. Now let me be very clear. This may be your country, but if you're following Jesus, we need to realize that I represent a different authority. And I need to get involved as an ambassador for my homeland. See, in your notes, we are here to represent God's kingdom. How do we do that? We represent God's kingdom in how we live and in how we act and in how we work and in how we study. We need to be representing Jesus Christ. I don't represent the United States of America. I don't represent our you know, state that we live in, our town. I don't represent those things. My job is to represent Jesus Christ in this world. It says in 1 Thessalonians, we're going to go back into 1 Thessalonians now. It says, make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business. Man, some of us could really use that right now, right? Man, that'll preach. Some of us need to mind our own, sorry. Um, anyhow, if the shoe fits, wear it. Um, make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands, just as we instructed you before. Then people, look at this, then people who are not Christians will respect the way you live and you will not need to depend on others. See, when we are living the way that God wants us to live, we're representing him well, then the people who aren't Christians, they begin to respect the way they live. Remember we said the Thessalonians here, the people who lived in Thessalonica, they had a reputation of great faith because people saw the way they lived and said, wow, there's something different about them. Are we representing Christ here well on this earth? This kind of reminds me of another story. In the Old Testament, when the Jews were in captivity in Babylon. And they were there being exiled. They were living there kind of against their will. But God told them to be a blessing to the country they were in while they were living there. He said, I want you to plant, and I want you to harvest, and I want you to pray for blessings on the land, and be a blessing. See, in your notes, God wants us to be a blessing to the people around us. Are we being a blessing to the people? Or are we just being a pain in the butt? You know? So sometimes, honestly, sometimes, us as Christians, us as followers of Christ, us as church people, like we may not always be a great blessing to other people around us, but that is what God has called us to be. See, we are to shine our light. We should be the most loving, generous, kind, compassionate people uh, this world has ever seen. They, people should look at us in the love that we show and say, wow, there's something different about you. We need to show love to God and love to others. See, we were not put here on this earth simply to please ourselves. It's not about pleasing me. It's about pleasing God first and foremost. And then it's about serving one another. We are here to love. We are here to serve. Continuing on. Actually, jump back a little bit. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 9. But we don't need to write you about the importance of loving each other. For God himself has taught you to love one another. Again, it's, it's our job to love one another. This is how the world will know that we're followers of Jesus by the love that we show. It says, for God himself taught you to love one another. Indeed, you're already, you already show your love for all the believers throughout Macedonia. And even so, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you to love them even more. It's like you're doing good, but do it even more. Some of us say, well, I'm, I'm just loving. I've just, I've just only put up with so much I can put up with. I've, just, I've, I've tapped my, my love reservoir and, and here Apostle Paul saying, well, you know what? Just love a little bit more. Love them a little bit more. 
See, God has called us to be his ambassadors. He's called us to be his representatives here in this world. And for us, we should embrace this calling. Maybe it takes a little bit of persecution. Maybe people make fun of us. Maybe we go through some, some things that we don't like to. Maybe even our family and our friends, maybe they don't want to associate with us anymore because they don't understand and believe, but that does not stop us from showing them love. We are still God's ambassadors. We're here to spread the love of Jesus on this earth. See, ambassadors realize something. If you're an ambassador for another country, or if you're an ambassador, say, for America, and you go to Australia, and you're there as an ambassador, you realize that no matter how long you stay there, that is not your home. That is not where your allegiance lies. And us as ambassadors for the kingdom of God, we realize this something, that I serve a king, and he never changes. See, world leaders, they may change. But my king stays the same. And guess what? My king wasn't voted in. And he's not going to be impeached. And you can't get rid of him because he's the king of kings and the lord of lords. Kind of reminds me of uh, football. If you ever watch football, you know, you got these two teams of very skilled, strong people on the field. And they're each trying to get the ball and run it to the other, and they're, they're throwing the ball, and they're catching the ball, and they're running plays, and they're getting touchdowns and kicking field goals, and they're out there on the field, right? There's these two teams out on the field, but did you know there's somebody else out on the field too? And they got the black and white striped shirts, and they're on the field too, and those guys got to be in shape too, but they don't represent the city. They don't represent the team. You know who they represent? They represent the NFL, the National Football League. That's who they represent. They say, we're out here, but, but even though we're on the same playing field, I don't represent either of you. I'm here to show you what the rule book says. I'm here to, to implement the standards here. I'm here as a representative of something else. See, God has put us on this earth as a representative of him and his kingdom. And we need to represent God in the way that I talk, in the way that I live, in the way that I post online. Come on now. See, we, we need to represent him. I'm not representing myself. I'm representing Jesus. You know, the, the, the referees, they, they don't usually have names on their jerseys because it's not about them. It's about the organization that they represent. And for you and me, it's not about us so much as it is about the King of Kings that we're representing. It's all about Jesus. And, and as a result, I know... We're in a time that everybody's about to get super political. Isn't that fun? Yeah. But here's the thing. You can take away all of my freedoms, and it's okay. Because I don't belong here. I'm an ambassador. I'm a representative of somewhere else. See, see, my purpose here isn't to defend my rights. My purpose is to lift up the name of Jesus and to represent him in everything that I do, to represent Jesus, to show love. And hey, you might not like me, but I'm gonna show you love. And I wanna show love to people who are hurting. I wanna show love to people who are different. I wanna show love to people who, who hate me even. We need to be people who show love. See, we are here for a special time and purpose to influence the world that we live in. And God doesn't have you here on accident. You are here 
to represent heaven on earth. So it's time for us to take a stand to represent the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one whose reign will never end, the kingdom of God. And we are looking forward to tomorrow, to his return. And while we wait, we will be representing him and standing strong in our faith. Let's pray. Well, God, we come to you now. And we thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. We thank you that you've called us to be your representatives, your ambassadors here on this earth. And Lord, there's so many pressures for us to conform to something else, to conform to to a different ideology, a different belief system, but Lord, we want to conform to Jesus Christ and him alone. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus is your Lord, And he is inviting you into his family right now. Scripture says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Won't you call on his name if you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead? You say this with your mouth. Say, Jesus, you are my Lord, and you mean that. And man, you are a part of God's family. He invites you in. You are now an ambassador. You're now a representative of the kingdom of heaven here on this earth. So God, we come to you now. And we don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know that you do. We know that you are outside of time and you see the beginning and the end. And you see all that we're going to face and all that we're going to go through. And some of us, we're going to go through some difficult times, but we ask you to increase our faith. Let us trust you. Let people see us even going through difficulties and say, wow, there's something different about that person, something different about that man, something different about that woman. The way they trust, the way they love. Lord, let us be like that. Let us be like these people from Thessalonica who had faith that was obvious, who loved others even in the midst of trouble. Let us stand strong. Let us put our hope in you, knowing that we represent a king whose rule will never end, a Lord who will love us, who has paid the price for us, who saved us, set us free, and appointed us as his ambassadors here on this earth. And we take that, and we want to move forward with that in Jesus' name. Amen.